and welcome to this mortgage strategy mini podcast series, Talking Therapy, Maintaining Industry Relationships in Challenging Times. I'm Rebecca Kaman, Editor of Mortgage Strategy, and in the third episode of the series, I'm joined by Chris Pearson, Head of Intermediaries at HSBC, and Richard Howells, Managing Director at Sesame. Thank you both for joining me today. Um, Richard, I'm going to come to you first and just get a little insight into how lockdown lockdown life looked for you over the last seven months. Yeah, it's um, it, it was certainly interesting at the start. Um, you know, getting everybody off site, getting everybody set up, uh, making sure that key systems and controls were working and that communications were flowing. Um, but um, it's got very business as usual now. I think everybody's used to it, uh, and that's everybody, including you know our interactions with uh, our members, members with consumers, you know, us talking to lender partners, etc. So I think I think that's all kind of working well. I think all of our uh, business continuity plans have probably had a big green tick in the box from that perspective. But, but I think there are some limitations um, that we do need to acknowledge uh, as well. So, you know, I think we're all looking forward to the day when we can, you know, get a, the best of both worlds where we can, you know, have human interaction when it's required. But let's take the lessons that we've learned over the, over the last few months in terms of the use of technology and combine the two together to, to really optimise the relationship going forward. Mm-hmm. Just going back to basics, Sir Richard, um, can you just talk a little bit how about how networks operate for anyone who may be looking to join or may not understand? Sure, yeah. I mean, essentially, networks do three things, uh, and, and certainly three things that we at Sesame focus on. The first is, is probably the most important, which is we help keep our members safe. So we give them an operating structure in terms of the regulators' guidelines, TNC, um, PI insurance, you know, everything that somebody needs to trade safely and effectively is, is probably the primary raison d'etre uh, of networks. The second element of the three is that we spend a lot of our time and money helping our members grow their business, and that's growing their terms. So for some people, it's grow the number of advisors. For others, it's grow their revenue. For others, it's grow their profit. Some want to grow their reach. Um, some wish to uh, broaden their business into different business areas. So some mortgage brokers who want to start to add protection and GI as well. So on their terms, but growing, growing their business. And the third element, which I think is largely overlooked, particularly for smaller broker firms, is we help them um, uh, build and realize uh, value in their businesses. You know, for, for too long, I think all of the newspapers have ever reported on is how wealth firms are getting bought and the succession plans in place. Well, you know, we believe that there's value in mortgage businesses. So we work with our, our firms to build inherent value in their business such that when it's time for them to retire from the industry, they have options on the table. So. Those are really the core three things that, that we do for advisors. Mm-hmm. Okay. And then during lockdown um, and the challenges we've faced in the last seven months, um, what have been the benefits of being part of a network for brokers? 
would you say, a part of your network? Yeah, I mean, I think there's a, a number of things. The, the, the first thing is the every single advisor, right when lockdown hit, everyone was scrambling around looking for, for information. What's the latest? Things were happening so fast. What can and can't we do? Where do we go for this information? There was talk of government loans. How do we do that? So, so we actually um, were the first network to actually roll out a hub. So we pulled all of the uh, external links of information together. We did all of the analysis internally to say, so what does that mean then? And we, we dropped it onto a hub for our members um, to access. And we actually uh, gave uh, access to non-members as well. We felt it was the right thing to do for the advisory community. So first and foremost, it was about how do we get all the information to the right people as quickly as possible? And from then, really, it was about working with individual firms to say, OK, so what are going to be your challenges? So for some, it was I'm just not set up to deal with customers um, using tech. OK, so what do we need to do to help you there? Is that training? Is it kits? Um, uh, is it so what do we go for? Zooms, Teams, which one is the best one to go for? For others, it was a bit of financial help. So how do I structure my business in a way um, that I can see myself through this? How do I improve my cash flow? Do I furlough my advisors or not? What areas of business can I still do? And and for others, frankly, it was um, it, it was a bit of um, working with them to make sure that their health, both physical and mental, was um, remained you know in a good place. And and one of the things that that we did, which I'm, I'm most proud of, was we introduced an advisor assistance program. So for those of you, don't, for people who don't know what that is, when you work in large organizations, and Chris will be familiar with this, um, there are employee assistance programs. So count, trained counselors that you can ring up about any subjects and just talk through them. When you're a small business, you don't have the availability of that. Um, but we felt it was important to, to have that level of support for every single one of our advisors so we put that in place on their on their behalf and i know from the stories i've had back from advisors those of you that have found it really beneficial okay good i think it's really important that we are looking after our mental health in these times um so well done on you for doing that um chris from a lender perspective how how do you work with networks Oh, we have a very, uh, very close relationship um, with all with all our networks. Sesame being ab absolutely um, a very, very strong relationship. Um, so that'll be through myself, through my head of sales, Richard Richard Beardshaw. I know um, Richard uh, on the podcast today um, did a, a, a podcast, I think, with Richard for the uh, for your distribution right. just the other week. So. That's right. Yeah, and, and it's really important that those messages that, that we want to convey to to the market and to and to all our broker partners um is packaged up in a way um that makes sense and is in the right language and is conveyed through the senior leadership of our network heads such as um such as Richard because and it's one thing HSBC or any lender for that matter trying to for want of a better word sort of pedal the message or put a bit of spin on on something. It it bears much more weight when you've got the um the senior leadership of a network um on the same message and and I guess using methods of communication that they know resonates really well with yeah. their distribution um and so you know I'm just probably hitting on one one of the things here so through lockdown I've mentioned before 
communicate, communicate, communicate is absolutely critical. Doing that through, I guess, the filter of a network to percolate its way through in the right way to, you know, hundreds and thousands of brokers is absolutely pivotal to us, Rebecca. So, so Chris, it's, it's also about um, interpretation uh, of the message as well, because, you know, sometimes lenders do speak a different language to advisors and vice versa. And we see our role as a network very much as translating that message so it lands with the recipient in the right way because it's important that everybody understands it's not just them, whether it's you as an advisor or, or a lender that, that's finding the market tough at the moment. So I think a greater understanding of all the problems that each of us face in the value chain just imp improves the, collabor uh, the collaboration. So we, we see that as a really important role that we play. That makes sense, Richard. Um, what are some of the kind of key issues that your brokers are facing or coming to networks, coming to Sesame? Um, for help with at the moment? Yeah, I mean, at the moment, the, the, the majority of the problems relate around how, how do we help more consumers? Um, you know, right at the heart of this is you've got um, consumer demand that's driving so much activity um, in the market. Consumers are obviously really keen to um, get on with the process, you know, have I got the mortgage? Can I put an offer in? All of that. Um, Advisors are trying to work with um, the available capacity in market, and when that can, when you, you know when they put an application in, they're obviously very keen to understand how can they get that application through as as much as possible. So it's about us working with them and saying, look, here's how you can package better, so it goes through the process better. Here's how you can use self serve at the lender end, so you, you're not clogging up phone lines, which means the lenders can spend more time underwriting and and dealing with with, uh, with the cases from an admin perspective. Um, but I, I'd say the, the majority of them are, are saying, look, why can't we have more higher loans of value products in market so we can help more customers? And, you know, look, what, what is the problem here? What, what, why is, why are, you know, uh, timescales so, so, so delayed on underwriting and administration? So again, it's, it's about us helping to educate and saying, look, Here's the reason why, but here's what we can do to help ourselves, help our help our end customer. So, um, so it's that now I think is the primary push from uh, from brokers. All of the things around tech, I think they've got that they've got that down now. So really, it's about how can we help them help more consumers. That that I think is is probably what I spend my most of my time talking to the brokers about. Mm -hmm. Okay. Chris, now that you have Richard here with you, would, is there anything that you'd like to ask him? Any burning questions about networks or how Sesame operates, etc.? Oh yeah, we've got Richard on the hook now, so we, we, we've got we've got we've got some absolute pearlers. No, there's um there's a couple, Richard, if if, if I may, and um the, the first one is I, I just from a few brokers I've sort of had, had a chat with recently. It, it we've talked quite a bit about mortgage on a couple of these podcasts, but protection wills trusts all those sorts of things seem to be coming more to the fore forefront of, of i guess customer conversations are you, are you seeing the same thing we are actually and, and i think that this we call it a sort of the composite advisor role where you're advising holistically across the maximum amount of permissions you can have um, and we think that it's happening for two reasons so it is on the increase we're seeing more of our members become composite we think it's happening for two reasons. One is 
it just makes good business sense. Yeah. Not only are you able to help the customer with more of their financial needs, which is a sensible thing to do for the customer, um, but you're able as a business to start to focus on customer yield as opposed to number of customers. And, you know, who knows what's going to happen in a month, two months at the end of March, making that move so that you can um, create more business value from each customer interaction has got to be a sensible thing to do. So I think there are really solid business reasons why brokers are moving in that, in that direction. I think the other thing is, though, that there is an emerging concern around the activities of the claims management companies. You know, and claims management companies starting to look at the advice that brokers didn't give. And uh, and as a result of that, I think more brokers are saying, well, look, you know, I'm not going to leave myself open here to somebody saying, so why didn't you discuss this with a customer? So therefore, I'm going to discuss the whole the whole thing. So what we've been doing to to help uh, with that is uh, we've been producing some consumer videos uh, that we give to our brokers that they can send out um, to uh, to customers before the first meeting. Um, so it just talks about things like protection, just so that the consumer is in a better informed position and can ask the broker. Because um, what we found is um, advisors are much more comfortable to discuss these issues when the consumer raises them firsthand. Um, so I think there's a number of things that we've been doing to, to help broaden that conversation, but definitely to your original question, it's on the increase. Brilliant. I think that's, I think that's savvy advice to, to any broker listening into this as well, actually, Richard, thank you. I've got, if, if we've got time, Rebecca, I've got a couple more, you know, um, brief ones for, for Richard. What, yes, one, ahead, one which I get asked all the time, um, around the market. So I'm going to come to that in a second, give you a chance to think about that, Richard. Um, okay. but, but before I come to that is, I guess in, 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 stormy waters that's when sort of leadership and, and how you operate really comes to the forefront that's how that's how you know you really learn a lot about people i'm thinking about you, you the partners that you deal with your lender panel your protection panel um is there anything that sort of last six seven months have taught you about sort of those relationships and the depth of those relations that you probably maybe take forward um in bau yeah, there is actually. And I think it's um, transparency has probably been the most important thing for us. Um, you know, there's a level that there always is a level of corporate speak in, in certain engagements. But what we found is our closest partners are the ones who've, who've really leveled with us. We've been able to have a really transparent and honest conversation to say, look, you know, let's not hide behind anything. What are the issues you're facing? What can we help with? Uh, we've had a number of operational calls with with yourselves and with, with others. And what we've been really impressed with is um, is the honesty and openness to say, look, this is what we're struggling with. When we get that, we can do something about it. Uh, and then we can go and talk to the distribution and say, look, guys, there's no point keep doing this. It's not going to improve the situation. If we do it this way, we can all help each other. So I think... What we'll carry forward is a, a real desire to um, to have that openness, that honesty, that transparency, um, so that we can get more things done. And, and ultimately, that's going to help the advisor firms and ultimately it'll help the, the consumer. So that, I think, is the, has been the biggest win that we've Brilliant. seen. Here, here, here on, 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 on that front as well, Richard. 
And then I guess my final question was just a view of the market. I mean, who knows? I mean, I get asked this question all the time. Who knows? How long's a piece of string? But I thought I would ask you, Richard, just from your your sense. What what, what do you see in the market next year? And do you think we're going to go back to BAU volume wise? What's your sense? Um, we think. I mean, overall volumes. We we think will still be strong. Maybe down on on this year. I mean, everyone's worried about the the cliff edge. Um, and whether or not that will transpire and whether or not we should be, you know, really pushing to sort of have that tapered as opposed to a, a, a drop dead date. Um, you know, but, but ultimately what advisors and consumers have always done is book the trend. They're a, they're a resilient bunch, you know, and I think if ultimately you've got continued forms of lockdown, you're going to get continued consumer demand. And, and consumers have proven time and time again that their chosen route is to advisors. So if there are opportunities to advise, I'm confident in the resilience of the advisor sector, um, almost not irrespective of the overarching economy, but you know, advisors will find a way. Um, clearly, if we have fewer fiscal impacts as a result of, of what's happening from the economy, if um, you know, if the unemployment level isn't quite as bad as some predictions, then then it'll be even more buoyant. But generally speaking, we're pretty confident in the professional advisor market, you know, coming through this year and next year. Albeit we might see a shift in their model as we talked about earlier on. Brilliant. Thank you, Richard. That sounds pretty positive, Richard, and it's always nice to finish on a positive. So I'm gonna let you Go and thank you so much both of you for joining us today on the Mortgage Strategy Podcast and I hope to see you in person sometime soon. <laughs> thank you very much. <laughs>